0: Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our theme this year is the year of the open door. How many of you love this beautiful door? The baptism of the Holy Spirit that I just read to you about and talked to you about is the door to the supernatural. It's the entrance to the gifts of the Spirit. It's the entrance to the deeper things of God. Our theme this year is First Corinthians sixteen nine that the Lord will set before us an open door an effective door a wide door a door that will open for us and we will move through that door in this coming year into the inheritance and the promises that god has made to us as a people i don't know about you but i'm believing god for many many open doors this year anybody with me say amen so i wanted to talk to you this morning about the spirit-filled life and what it means to experience a baptism of the Holy Spirit because I believe it 's the doorway it 's the entrance it 's the first step in our journey into the supernatural. you were created to be a supernatural being we are not physical beings that have supernatural experiences, but we are spiritual beings that have that live in a natural body, but we are a supernatural people because on the inside of us the Bible says The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the supernatural one himself lives on the inside of us and we serve and walk and are in communion with a supernatural God this morning. If you believe that, say amen. So we're living in exciting times. These are exciting times to be alive. I believe we're living in the last of the last days. The prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days we'd see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 29, Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike we are living in those days i believe it's imperative that every believer receive the baptism of the holy spirit or what we would call the infilling of the holy spirit we use those terms interchangeably see what has been abnormal in our modern new testament church needs to become the norm in the 21st century church the apostle paul wrote these words to the church in his epistle to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5.18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We're called to be a supernatural People. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul defines nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are supernatural gifts. These gifts are the tools of the New Testament church. How do we access and use these tools? It begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did you know the fastest growing segment in Christianity today is the Pentecostal charismatic movement around the world? It is moving The growth is attributed to the power of God being released through the experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Zach and I go to Panama usually once a year. And we minister in a church there. It's called the the Temple of the Living God in Panama. Across that little city of Arahon, there are 60 cell groups. That Pastor Cruz has established there. And they get more people saved by accident in those cell groups than we do on purpose. And I think, why are we coming here ministering to you? You should be coming here and teaching us. Let me tell you what's happening. If you go to that church, God moves powerfully in their service. Demons are cast out. Addicts are set free. One in particular I'm thinking about was a drug addict. He was homeless. He didn't have any hope in his life. And Pastor Cruz introduced him to Jesus, and he got introduced to Jesus, and now he's the chief cook and bottle washer of that church. He's, he, he's, a, he's one, of the, one of the great leaders of that church. He texted me the other day, and I, I think about his story, and I'm encouraged about his story. And we hear stories like that all over the world where God is moving by his power. So why are people hungry for the power of God? It's because they're tired of lifeless tradition. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, and he said, concerning the last days in Second Timothy chapter three, verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such turn away. The best that many churches can offer today is some type of form or ritual that cannot give life. I believe people are hungry for true spiritual power. They're hungry for an authentic touch from heaven that's why people from every walk of life and from every tribe and kindred are experiencing this wonderful gift in acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth the apostle paul wrote these words in ephesians 1 and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power As ministers of the gospel, we're dealing with broken humanity. I have more than three decades as a lead pastor. And I have never in 30 years or more of ministry experienced the depth and need and the complexity of problems that people are facing today. What is the answer? What is the answer? Where do we turn? I believe we must be endued with power from on high. Sadly, there are numerous Pentecostal full gospel churches and believers today who don't believe that we need to experience the power of Pentecost. Many of our churches today have abandoned that. They've moved away from that. We've gone to this model where we just kind of want to comfort the saints and help the saints and entertain the saints. But what we need today is we need the Lord to rip the heavens open to come down in awesome power and to fill us till we overflow with the presence and the power of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit. I believe it's crucial that every 21st century believer be filled with the Spirit. We're living in a culture that is increasingly hostile to Christianity, but much like the early New Testament church. We're fastly, our society is becoming much like that society. Therefore, we must be filled with the Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the door to the supernatural. So let me share a little bit about that. First of all, we need a Spirit-filled visitation personally you need a pentecost personally you need to experience pentecost you need to have an experience with the holy spirit where you are filled with the holy spirit see in acts chapter two verses one through four the initial outpouring of the holy spirit occurs on the day of pentecost they were 120 in the upper room now listen they were over 500 that watched him move go back to heaven but only 120 of them made it to the 10-day prayer meeting and that 120 were baptized with the Holy Spirit. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is fulfillment of numerous prophecies in both the Old and the New Testament. Let me give you some scripture. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see vision. Now, when it says your old men and your young men, that's not talking about age, that's talking about a place of maturity. Verse 29. And on my men servants and my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. In John 7, 39, it says, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet giving because Jesus was not yet glorified. In Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier and I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. One key goal of the Lord Jesus Christ and his mission on earth was to infuse his people with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke twenty-four forty-nine, he instructed his disciples. He said, you're going to be witnesses to me to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he instructed his disciples to tarry until they were endued with power on high. So what we need to do this morning is we need to make up our minds that we're going to do whatever is necessary to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we might work the works of the Lord Jesus with power and great effectiveness. Now, a great and effective door, the only way that door is going to be effective is if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So I've come this morning looking for some people who are hungry for His presence. When you study the New Testament, you learn that there was an initial outpouring of God's Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1-4. Through four. But they were subsequent refillings that took place when the apostles encountered the Holy Spirit. There was an initial experience. They spoke in other tongues. In other words, they spoke in languages that they did not understand. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But it empowered them. But as they went on this journey and they walked through persecution, they walked through hardship, they walked through difficulty, they walked through storms. They needed subsequent refillings of the Holy Spirit. See, we not only need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but there are times when we need to experience a refilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to come into his presence and say, Lord, I'm empty. I'm tired. I'm weary. My mind is weary. I've been battling discouragement. I've been battling with the enemy. I need a touch from on high. I need the veil of heaven to unroll. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to pour out your spirit on me once again. We need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. I think Peter was refilled about four times. Now, you say, what about Peter? You know, Peter was the one that cursed. He's the one that denied Jesus. Standing at that strange fire, the Bible says, in the courtyard of the high priest's home. But somewhere in that night, he looked over and he caught the gaze of Jesus. And the Bible said he went out and wept bitterly. And it was Peter that was fishing. Come on, somebody. Peter was fishing and he saw up on the seashore of Galilee there, he saw Jesus. And the Bible said he stripped off his clothes. Now, listen, I don't want to say nothing, but Peter was fishing without his clothes on. Peter swam to shore and God restored him. Jesus restored him. There's a church there. It's called the Primacy of Peter. It's one of the most beautiful places in all of Israel. Beth and I stood there, and the, they say that the rocks are shaped like hearts because of that. I didn't believe that, but I got down in the, in the Sea of Galilee there, and I found some heart-shaped rocks, and we brought them home where it says that. You see, Peter was restored to the Lord, and it was Peter who stood up with the 11 on the day of Pentecost and preached. See, I wouldn't have picked Peter. I would have said he was the one down there cursing. He wouldn't have fit our little, you know, our little doctrine. We'd have said, let's get John. He stayed at the cross and he's closest to, we'll get him. But God chose Peter. And it was Peter who, when he passed through his shadow, fell on the sick and the sick were healed. How did that happen? Because Peter was at Pentecost and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I like Peter because Peter said it when everybody else was thinking it. So God took that and he tamed that and he used that for his glory. And Peter became one of the great leaders and and there's two epistles that bear his name that he wrote to the church You see God can take somebody who's rough and rugged and stubborn and hard-headed and speaks before they think He can fill them with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah and make an apostle out of them in the fourth chapter of the Acts of of The Apostles in the fourth chapter of Acts the Apostles were arrested and in prison and when they were released When the other believers pray and worship, Acts 4.31 gives us a record of their actions. Listen to what it says. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God, shake this place this morning. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. we'll go out and speak the word of God with boldness. See, you've got to learn how to speak the Word of God with boldness over your circumstances. You've got to learn how to speak the Word of God with boldness over, over the situations of your life. You've got to learn how to speak the Word of God with boldness over everything the enemy brings your way. You have to rise up and say, it is written, hallelujah. It is written, the Word of God says. See, that Word's got to flow out of you like a river. It's got to flow out of you. It's got to come up from the inside of you. And we need this morning the river to be churned up. We need this place to be shaken so that we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until we overflow with him. What do we do when we suffer persecution? For our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and expect to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There are four different baptisms that the Bible talks about. Let me run through them real quick. There's the baptism of repentance. This is recorded in John Acts 18, 25. When a believer repents, they're born again and baptized into the body of Christ, the family of God. It means to be immersed. It, mean, it means to be immersed. I want to be immersed in this, this Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized. In other words, I want to go down and, and get all that God has for me. Come on, somebody. There's a baptism in water. This follows our baptism into the body of Christ. It's a public demonstration that we are following Christ and have abandoned our old sinful way. Third, there's a baptism of suffering. In Luke chapter 12, verse 50, it says, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. He was referring to the sufferings Jesus was that were related to the cross. Fourth, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when you're endued with power and it's what Jesus promised to his disciples. It is, I believe, the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. Wesley Campbell writes, he said to be filled with the Spirit means you have the Holy Spirit directing and empowering your life to the point that he influences every part of you. How many of you want to experience this divine empowering? It begins when you're baptized by the Spirit. But notice secondly, the Holy Spirit brings a Spirit-filled purpose. The Lord doesn't baptize us in the Holy Spirit So we can walk around and speak in tongues. He doesn't baptize us in the spirit so we can wear a a coat and a tie and say I'm a Pentecostal. It's not a badge of honor that I wear that says I'm more spiritual than anybody else. No, what it should do is it should create a humility in our lives that says without Christ I can do nothing. You know what? I love my Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Salvation Army, Charismatic, Crazymatic, Hydromatic. I love all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray with them, and I meet with them, and I join with them. And I take the things that we agree on, and there are more that we agree on and we disagree on. And I try to use that as a bridge to build to them. Because listen, God has one church in Greenwood, not many churches. God has a purpose in baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. He's calling you to influence and impact the world that is around you. You've been called by God to carry out his purposes upon the earth. John 14:12. most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. To do this, we must be endued with power from on high. You can't work the works of God in your flesh. You can't work the works of God in your own strength. It takes a strength beyond your own strength. See, the Holy Spirit empowers the believer to impact their place of assignment. Charles Spurgeon says, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fires, we are useless. The Full Life Study Bible says this on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will bring personal boldness and power of the Holy Spirit into the believer's life in order to accomplish mighty works in Christ's name and to make the believer's witness and proclamation effective. How many of you would like to experience this personal boldness in your Christian walk today? Then you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I found. You know that much of the body of Christ today has no assurance of salvation. Bill Bright released these these statistics years ago that 95% of Christians never share their faith. I mean, think about that. Nine out of 10 Christians never witness or share their faith with another person. And many of them have no assurance of their own salvation. Many times we walk around discouraged, out of heart, heavy, just saddled with the cares of life, full of fear, with no assurance of our own salvation, timid, backwards, afraid to share our faith with other unbelievers. Well, if I tell them a Christian, what are they going to think about me? Well, number one, your speech ought to betray you because we don't talk like the world. We're not supposed to. Your actions will betray you. So, what's the cure for that? How do I? How do I get beyond that? How do I get past that, Pastor? I don't mean to be condemning this morning towards you because we all struggle in these areas. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah said it this way: It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm telling you, it's like a fire shut up in my bones just can't help myself. See, people all around you are dying and going to hell. Do you know every nine seconds, I believe it is, somebody goes to hell. We don't preach about hell much anymore. I don't think we even believe in it anymore in the the church in America. But it's true. It's still in God's Word. It's still true. And if you die without Jesus, you're going into an eternity without God. I want to know the Lord. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to fulfill His will in my life. Be filled with the Spirit. Let me just give you some reasons for the Holy Spirit and then we'll finish. If you want to experience personal boldness in your Christian life, you must be filled with the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is given to cause us to be bold in the things of God. It is said of the apostles, before they experienced this infusion of power in the upper room, that they were afraid of Caesar. But after they experienced the infusion, that sh- they shook Caesar's throne. What is the purpose of the infilling? Number one, to empower to witness. We're empowered to witness. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon me, and you shall be witnesses. That Greek word there for witness is the same word we get, martyr. This was a witness at the peril of their lives. That's the kind of witness this was. Number two, to increase our fruitfulness. John fifteen two that it may bring forth more fruit. Number three, to equip us for life's adversities. Ephesians six eleven. put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live the resurrected life. He empowers you to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. In Romans eight thirty seven, Yet in all these things you're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why do I need to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Because you've been called to overcome the evil one and boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel. Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. When we are filled with the Spirit, it comes as a result of a divine visitation. and Then we receive our divine assignment. What is your assignment? You're called to be a witness unto him. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You don't have to. Because we're not all called to be evangelists, but we're all called to be witnesses. Now here's what a witness does. Because I'm a pastor in the setting that I'm in, I've had opportunities at time to go and be a witness in court settings. When you go and you're a witness in a court setting, now they have expert witnesses and you have to pay them. But I did it to help individuals and I testified and witnessed of their character. And what I did is I told what I observed. How long have you known this individual? What have you observed about this individual? In your opinion, would this individual be good at this particular? Place? I witness what I have observed. A witness simply tells what they've observed, what they've seen, what they've experienced. Now, if we had some kind of incident out here and five people saw something, all five people would have a different version of it. They all may have the core truth of it, but they'd have a different version of it. And when somebody's never experienced the power of God and the power of the Lord working in their life, they don't know how to debate that. And what happens is that stirs conviction in their hearts. Just tell them, I'm going to tell you I was a sinner. I was in bondage. Man, I was bound by alcohol or I was bound by lust or, or I was just a good person but I'd never experienced salvation. But I'll tell you, the Lord came into my heart and saved me and redeemed me and I have peace with God. They know nothing about that. They're trying to earn their way. But you begin to share that. See, what the world needs to hear is what the Lord's done for you. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. There'll be some folks that'll slam doors in your face. I've had that happen to me over the years. You just shake the dust off and move on. You just count it all joy. You say, bless their hearts. What am I saying? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me finish with Acts chapter two. It's not something we earn, but it's freely given to everyone who sincerely asks for this wonderful experience. It's a gift. A gift should come with no strings attached. I give you something because I love you. I want to bless you. I want to do something for you. So you can't earn this. Well, pastor, if I pray enough and fast enough and do enough, it's a gift. Just receive it. Who is it to? Well, he said in the word, he says it's to your children, your children's children and all who are far off. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's us. We're the far off ones. We're generations. You say, well, pastor, don't you know that this gift ceased to exist at the death of the last apostle? I'm sorry, but when I was 16 years old, I experienced this gift. And he's guided my life. And I've many times gone to the altar and been refilled with his precious Holy Spirit. So you've come too late to tell me that it's not for today because I've experienced it for myself. But here's what I know. Approximately about 700 million people in the world today have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit, touched by the power of God.
1: And their lives
0: are forever changed. I don't know about you, but I want to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit today. Can you say amen? Stand with me. J. Wilbur Chapman was in London. He had an opportunity to meet General Booth. General Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And General Booth at that time was past 80 years of age. Dr. Chapman listened reverently as the old general spoke of the trials and the conflicts and the victories. Then the American evangelist asked the general if he would disclose his secret for success. He hesitated a second, Dr. Chapman said, and I saw the tears come into his eyes and still down his cheeks. Then he said, I'll tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there is. And if there's anything of power, in the Salvation Army today, is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman said he went away from that meeting with General Booth knowing that the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender.